0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, wherever you're tuning in. We are Slava and Jonathan, bringing you the SideQuest podcast, where we talk about character development, stories, and all things that are world-building. And we occasionally take side quests, because, frankly, that's how conversations work. Just as a reminder, this whole show is spoiler-heavy. So sit back, tune in, and join us on this episode of SideQuest. You want me to get low, low,
1: low? Yes. The boots to the floor. Mm. Or the fur on the floor? The boots (sighs) with the fur?
0: Yes, the boots. It's the boots with the fur. Yeah. Because it's 2023, and when you make a hit song, it sticks with you. Just like whatever's on that floor. Oof. Sticky. You ever been into a nightclub that hasn't been cleaned? No. Maybe. I have. It's gross. It's gross. I can imagine. Yeah. Well, it's that time again. Your weekly side quest
1: is here. Slava, what are we talking about today? Well, we're back on... In... We're back in Kamora. And we are in a dilapidated building. With Laka waking up from a... Well, I don't know what you would call it. He fainted from sheer exhaustion. I guess that's what you would call it. That's where we are. That's where we're starting off this week.
0: Locke, Jean, the city of Camor, the thorn of Camor, the Grey King, and a bonds mage. Not to mention the spider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Both of which get taken care of by (laughs) Locke very aptly, if I may say so.
0: I don't think that the spider gets taken care of. Well. The Bond's mage
1: and the Grey King, sure. But the spider doesn't get taken care of. Whatever. Let's. Oh, well, if you're going to play semantics. It's not semantics. It's not semantics. We'll get into this. She gets punched. She gets punched in the face and he, Locke escapes. Taken care of. Mm, the other two get taken care of by death. One of them gets taken care of by death. Bond's mage still alive, limping around, mumbling, some, you know, incoherently. That's fair. Okay, so you're getting the spectrum all right well
0: we're we're diving into the book first, the question of the week, What's the greatest question you've thought of in the last year?
1: <laughs> um you're welcome. The greatest question I thought of. Hey, Jonathan, why don't we start a podcast? Oh, that's good, but I guess yeah, that's true we haven't we haven't but no, nah, that that
0: question doesn't fit because. We started this well before we started putting out episodes. So that that question doesn't fit. Hey, Jonathan, how do you think the podcast
1: is going? Okay.
0: You're not even trying.
1: I have no idea. You, I I feel like you would... This seems like a pretentious question. Like the greatest... I think that your,
0: your greatest question that you've thought of recently was that pasta dish that you were, like, trying to reinvent or whatever. Which pasta dish? Which one? You said you were going to, like, redo a pasta dish. Hmm. It's like episode 32 or 33 or something like that.
1: Oh, I'm trying to think. I've done a few where I've taken pasta dishes that are kind of common, if you will, or they're you at know, least known in America as either, oh, this is an Italian thing. Oh, this is a French thing. Mm-hmm. And yes, they are American Italian or some of them are actually Italian Italian and we make them here too. So I do my own twists on them sometimes. Well, you said you were like going to reinvent it or something like that. Oh, I forget at this point. I consider it a
0: question, like, if you're going to reinvent something, it might not be like, am I going to reinvent this thing? It's more like you're in action of, you're in the action of reinventing a thing Okay. in my mind. So, anyway, this
1: is a great question, I guess. My wife is buying me, she she spoiled the, the fun, which I don't care because I could care less about surprises. You don't like, yeah, you don't mind surprises. She told me for Christmas she's getting me a pasta maker. So there I will be reinventing things, trying new new dishes because of that. My wife has a gluten allergy, so I have to buy gluten-free pasta. And most of it in the stores are is cardboard. It's just garbage. Tastes like absolute ass. You ever get the lentil
0: pasta or the, like, yeah. you know, the ones that they make out of cauliflower pasta and things like that?
1: Yeah, yeah. Some of them are all right. Sound them all right, but they're not good for the dishes I make. If you're going to take a cauliflower pasta, bell peppers, and eat that, like a vegetarian thing, that's fine. But if you're making a chicken piccata, lentil pasta doesn't go at all. Very few pastas out there that are gluten-free are actually edible, in my opinion. So it's hard for us, for me and my wife, to find something. So I'm going to try my hand at making gluten-free pasta that doesn't taste like butthole.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like Gator Tail? Or Gator Tail, yeah. Which actually... Tastes pretty good if you make it right. But you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. And I and I will never find out either. Because you and the gators don't get along. It's not koshi. It is not. Neither are mussels, neck clams, calamari, all the delicious stuff.
0: Mm. Steak's delicious and that's koshi. See, two
1: for two for steak. Oh my gosh.
0: The last great question that I thought
1: of was this morning when I thought, why is Slava such a boomer? <laughs> because I watched TikTok in the browser. Because I don't have it downloaded, and that's the only way I can do it. When my Zoomer <laughs> friends sent me TikToks, uh,
0: well, I'm not yeah, your Zoomer that, friend.
1: I, I suppose that's fair. That makes me a boomer. I suppose I could just download the app because I have an account. I know, because and when I uploaded my phone, I just never downloaded the. Whenever,
0: whenever you get on again, you'll just see thousands of posts from me. But anyway, I think this
1: was a great question of the week. It clearly kept everyone entertained. Clearly. And we haven't asked a question in a week in like four episodes. It's kind of been a free-for-all. Locke would approve. And I know that that's a dangerous thing to say. But Locke would approve mm-hmm. of our ep- episodes being a mm-hmm.
0: free-for-all. Spencer on uh, Black Flame, at the end, if you guys listened to the dating section, and I was like, it's like they've never asked a goddamn question before. They've never had a conversation with a human. What is that about? You have. I know you have. Because you're still
1: here. You've made it this far. If you make it through an hour of Black Flame, you will hear me say... <laughs> Plus dating culture. Yeah, yeah. You might hear me say, unless I edited this portion out because I had to cut it down because it was an acid trip of an episode, I don't like this kind of nonsense. I think I see the value of it because people find it kitschy and they find it kind of cute and, oh, look, it's you know you had to think quick on your feet. So I'll participate in it, but coming up with these questions, i I'd rather shit in my hand and clap. Well,
0: when we start doing video, you can do that as the opener. <laughs> Yes, and then, well, it had to do it on a different platform. You heard it here, episode 58, Slava has agreed to do the disgusting on the video. (laughs) Thankfully, we're not in the same house, so I'm not going to have to clean it up. This is how you have conversations, though. This is, you ask people questions. You make friends at work. You
1: make friends in the store. Like, you ask questions. I have never come up to anybody in the store and said, hey, what is the greatest question you ever thought of this year? or what would you learn this week? What was your emotional high? I've never asked a cashier what was her emotional high that week. Yeah, you just go, "How you doing?" Yeah, yeah hey, how are you? What's new? I don't know. Like if I know her because I'm a regular, I might talk right. about stuff that we've established. Exactly, but how do you establish that stuff? Not by asking them what what are their greatest question is of the week. Oh my I mean, god. I mean, I know questions.
0: Then you need to start asking me questions if it's so it's if it's like pulling teeth. For my little baby boomer over there, then, you know, you can ask the questions. That's the whole point. I hate these
1: questions. But people want to get to know us. Don't let the kids see us fight. Let's not do this. Are your dogs by? I'm talking about our audience. Oh, well,
0: they want to see mom and dad fight. Dad over here is complaining to mom that she doesn't know how to ask a
1: friggin' question. In no world am I the mom in this situation. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with being a mom, Slava? Absolutely nothing. I think you're a beautiful mom. I'm not the mom. All right. So this is a whole different kind of marriage then. (laughs) This is ancient Greece. Again, this is ancient Greece. I'm I'm still the older, wiser,
0: Grecian. For those who don't know, ancient Greece had tendencies of having younger men and older men become lovers in relationship to pass on their knowledge among other activities. I'll just leave it there. You can look it up. It's real. All right, you salty adventurers. Now that you know a bunch of nonsense, and you saw us fight, make sure that you never miss a podcast by smashing that subscribe button, or you'll miss out on all of this type of treasure
1: on SideQuest. Spoiler alert, we make up next week. Nope. Typical, typical woman. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Give us the plot of Act 4. Just do it. All right, plot point for Act 4. Locke wakes up in an abandoned villa. John is with him, so is a unregistered doctor named Bellius, who's working on getting Locke feeling better. There's a ship that just came into port called the Satisfaction. Supposedly it's a plague ship, but we find out it's not, and it's Raza's way of stealing money. He's giving them provisions, so-called, but nope. He's uh, robbing everybody blind. Locke visits the Silvaros after a bit of a misadventure trying to get fancy clothes to look the part of Fairwhite again. He gets tracked by the spider. He gets stabbed in the neck by the spider with some kind of poison. And she addresses him as the thorn. He's supposed to tell her all his secrets in exchange for the antidote. Instead, he does what he's supposed to do. He punches the spider right in the face, takes the antidote, climbs out of a window, and, scaling a wall, jumps on an elevator, and escapes. As this is going on, Jean returns to the docks where he discovered that something shady is going on with the satisfaction and discovers three dead bodies. He's interrupted in his little uh, escapades there by the Baragia sisters, who now he knows are Kappa Raza's younger sisters. And he knows this because he has cut off appendages and tongues off a bonds mage who told them this before the tongue was taken out. So he kills the Baragia sisters... The kappa and his bonds mage make the make the spider invite them to a party where he's gonna set up some poison traps and poison bombs. Locke saves everybody at this party. Locke kills the great king after he finds him, and the scene ends with Locke saying something very interesting. Tell him what he says. Locke says, "Locke side." So this is winning, he said. It is, replied Jean. Well, it can go f itself, said Locke. Yeah. So that's a quick overview of the high notes of what happened in this very high-paced act four of The Lies Mm -hmm. of Locke Lamora. I -hmm. love it. Each scene that I described, I picked them because they're the ones that stood out to me. Right. There's a lot of other stuff that happens. Sure, of course. But Locke punching the old woman in the face, grabbing the antidote and scaling the side of a building to get away. That's good action. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about
0: when Locke has gotten up from his little shack that he's hiding in, and he understands that he has to go to the party because of what they found out from the Bonds mage. and he goes to Miragios to try to convince someone to give him their clothing, and it doesn't work with the first person, and it doesn't work with the second person. I just see Scott Lynch writing that, and he goes, this isn't good enough. And he, like, just ups the ante again. And he writes it, and he's like, hmm, that's not good enough either. What if he convinced Miragio to give him his clothes? There we go. And he just, like,
1: keeps going until he finds something that's interesting. Yep, yeah. I, I can agree with you. And I'm going to bore some of the audience by saying, I heard Stephen King in a lecture say this, but I did. And I think it captures what you just said perfectly. A good writer will sometimes lead the story take itself, right? Well, that's another right way I say it. The story takes you, you know what I'm trying to say. It's too early in the morning to think. But sometimes the story goes where it wants to go. That's what I want to say. How is Locke going to get closed? Well, he's going to trick somebody. Okay, so he's going to find some stupid low-level employee and trick him, obviously. Great, let's go. And then, well, but what if this low-level employee is not as stupid as Locke thinks and tells <laughs> him to go pound salt? I agree with you. I can see Lynch going, all right, second time, yeah, let's have him fail the second time, too. Because (laughs) that's going to up the ante, not only because of the immediate context, and it's going to be freaking funny, but he has to get to this party on time, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to pause for a second and just
0: draw the audience's attention to when Slava is looking at getting into someone else's head. He somehow re- finds the ability to ask questions, good questions. Even so, and um, just wanted to put that out there. Just wanted to draw everyone's attention to it that Slava actually does has the capability of asking questions. So, just wanted to
1: draw our attention to that. Okay, back to point the point of plot. order, sir. Sir, point of order. Yeah, <laughs> I'd like to say, of course, Slava asks good questions. He just hates ice. He just mm, he just hates icebreaker questions. That is all. Please continue, sir. I I, re- I relinquish my time.
0: <laughs> uh, you say that, but we literally had three years of a pandemic where people were starved for their uh, acquaintance relationships, which mm-hmm. we, as humans, actually need. And so, everyone who's like, "I hate small talk," like, actually, you, f- you, f- you, not physically, you socially need
1: that. Sure. So I make small talk. I'm fine with small talk. I make small talk with people standing in the lunch uh, line at work because we have a big old cafeteria. It's just, do you and work I know in school Are you working with children. I don't know why they trust you with that. It's not children. Everybody's an adult, but, but uh, they act like children. Got it. But they act like children. And they, we have a cafeteria. Um, and by cafeteria, I mean it's you go back to your office or like a, a, a you know what? It doesn't matter. The audience doesn't care. We have a cafeteria. Let's let's, go. let's move on. Who the hell cares? I'd like the big word? cookie and
0: the not real pizza, please. Right? Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think if you don't I, have anything to say. That's what you think. <laughs> I, that's this, this is correct. that's correct. And if you do have something to think, you're going to come up with a question and you're going to prove my point. So I would just I would just bow out of this one. Just tip your queen or your king, whatever. Uh, it's like a chess. Like chess. I haven't played chess in a while. Apparently. Just tip your king and call it good. Let's get back to the story. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh it feels good to win, folks. It does. N- maybe not for not for Locke and Shaw, but this in this instance, winning's
1: tasty. Yeah. So Locke gets it finally. And I like the fact. He seems not at all bothered by the fact that he ruins this guy's life. For those who don't know, on the third attempt, Locke finds uh, a waiter. Apparently, the the Miraggio has a cafeteria, too. Uh, He finds a waiter and says, hey, I need your clothes because there's an assassination attempt. He just repeats the damn line with anybody. like It's like the third time. There's an assassination attempt. I need your clothes. Let me change into a waiter so I can go foil it. So, and he does that and gets in front of Miragio because Miragio likes, you know, a certain order of things. He likes to be served, and he's very. Um, what I got from reading it, this is not said by a Lynch, but what I got from reading the the part this part of the story, was he's very uh, regimented. So this uh, waiter, Locke. Comes to Mirage and says, Hey, there's an assassination plot against you. I was able to trick three of your freaking people, two guards and a waiter, and they're all probably in on it. I need your clothes so I can go and pretend to be you. And when they try to kill you, which will be me, we'll know who it is. And Mirage is like, Okay, that makes sense. I mean, it takes him a little bit to get convinced, but he's him like, a Okay. Bit. Yeah. But all right, that makes sense. And so they change clothes, and Locke then tells this guy, like, Hey, Sorry, not sorry. I kind of screwed up your life. Here's a couple of crowns. I suggest you go to a different town and just change your name and never come back. <laughs> like, peace. Deuces. And the guy's like, what? What the hell's going on? And he has to play along as Locke is dragging him out. And he's screaming, oh, don't kill me. Oh, I'm so sorry. But if you think about it, what the f- did this waiter do to anybody? Like, Locke just totally screws this guy's life up. And it's like, Bye. Here's a hundred bucks, right? Whatever. A couple of crowns is probably, you know, maybe 5,000 bucks. It doesn't matter. Here's some money. Take a bus to the next town over and never, ever come back. How is this guy going to find work? Like, what? He's got no references now. Yeah. So, anyway. Good unlock. He He's got his clothes. Plan can continue. Yes.
0: And he finds his way over to Raven's... What is it? Raven's, uh...
1: Peach? Raven's Reach? Yes. I said Ra- Peach. I didn't mean that. Raven's Reach. Yes. Raven's mm-hmm. Peach. Wow. Who's Raven? <laughs> you <laughs> you, made this
0: super weird. This is on you. Okay. So Locke goes over to Raven's Reach and, you know, thinks he's going to schmooze with the Salvaras and whatever, and they pull the old switcheroo on him gets stabbed, and then this is another one that it's like, okay,
1: Lynch doesn't pull any punches, literally. No, he doesn't. And I text you about this. I am glad that he wrote Locke consistent, because it would be Locke who would punch an old woman in the face to get an antidote. And quite honestly, in the real world, anybody worth his salt would also punch a, a young woman, an old woman, a young man, a a hippopotamus, whatever, is in front of you, you okay, would punch it. I would it. not punch a hippopotamus. Uh, you know what I mean. You would. They're you would. scary. What if the hippopotamus had an antidote? Where
0: would it be hiding
1: an antidote? Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I'm just... <laughs> he punches the old uh, spider right in the face, takes the antidote, and climbs out of this, the window. And when he meets up with her again, she does punch him back, but she doesn't seem like... She's I don't think she's got too strong upset. arms. No, she doesn't. That's why her uh, nephew, uh, who's the in charge of the guard, the punches him for her, too, to make up for her lack of strength. <laughs> but when she punches him, she's like, yeah. I'm paraphrasing in the audience for those who have uh, read it. She punches him in the face and goes, nah, okay. now, okay, now we're even, kind of. Uh, so I like that part of the world where Lynch didn't pull in any... Punches. Uh didn't pull any punches, but um what am I saying? Didn't pull in any maybe over our sensibilities into the world where yes, Locke is a thief, yes, he's a gentleman, yes, he's a gentleman bastard, but he's like, I gotta survive. And if I need to punch this old woman in the face, I'm gonna punch this old woman in the face. Right. Now, I've you can't you can disagree with that. You can disagree with that and get your britches in a in a bunch, but for the story, I think it's it's very cool because you get just this other side of Locke where he is willing to do anything. Yes, he's crazy. Yes, he's very intelligent when it comes to cons and he'll do anything and he sometimes walks into a situation not knowing what he's going to do. Well, here's a perfect example. He's like, oh, well, I'm poisoned. What do I do? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the antidote by any means possible or by any means necessary. Right. Yeah.
0: So So Locke goes back to Jean... And then finds out that Jean's been taken control of, mm-hmm. and he was taken control of by the fa- by the bonds mage by writing down his true name. Yeah. Now, this mildly lines up with a similar magic system. Lines up is not the right word. This mildly, it, this is mildly in line with the Rothfus name of the wind magic system, where things have true names. Yes and yeah. both of this both this book and name of the winds books have a magic system that stems actually from Ursula K. Le Guin who wrote the earth sea series which I would like us to read at some point but it is very slow you can feel the pacing because it's it's slow but her whole system is about having true names for things and when you have the true name of something you have power over it which is an interesting, interesting. magic system. So, yep.
1: yeah. So, Jean is uh, under control of the Falconer, and the Falconer tells him to kill Locke. John tries his best not to. And in the struggle, as the Falconer was looking at this, he goes, You know what? It'll be better if Locke kills Jean. And I think, honestly, this is where the Falconer got
0: things wrong. Yep. He He just was playing with his food. And according to game theory, You never show any mercy to your enemies. You simply crush them as quickly as possible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I made the comments I made about the spider getting punched. All bets are off when my left's on the line. So here's where it's a great twist. We don't know Locke's real name, and neither does the Bond's mage. Because Locke pretends he's under the control of the Bond's mage and puts an axe in his groin. Which, again, of all the places, Scott Lynch, this, this is just one of those little blimps on the on the screen of Lies of Locke Lamora, where not only is it well written, but it's dark and comical at the same time. It is. So, Bond's mage falls down, and Locke realizes that the Bond's mage and his falcon. Are connected. Soul bound of sorts. It doesn't say that, but I mean that's what we see after we Yep. So he kills the Falcon, and this causes the Bonds Mage to cry with pure madness as he falls sobbing into unconsciousness. And when he wakes up, what a what a way to wake up. He gets his fingers cut off. I think like six of them. Mm-hmm. And then he gets his tongue cut out after he spills the beans. Locke doesn't kill him because he doesn't want the bonds mage community community to come after him because they're all, you know, connected spirits or something, and they kill off anybody who messes with them.
0: But the interesting thing here is like, okay, Chain says, you know, anyone who kills a bonds mage, they they raz their city, salt their fields, and curse their family line for six generations. You don't think they're gonna do that when you've like put this man into a stumpy dismembered, you know, figure? Oh, yeah, no, he's alive, so it's fine. No. They're going to razz your city, salt your fields, and kill your six generations. Because
1: it's a principal Is that a thing. spoiler? No, but they should. Yeah, well, they should, but Locke has to have some... But some in the Locke. moment, like, Locke doesn't know that, so... No, Locke doesn't know that, and I thought of that, too, quite honestly, but... It was still satisfying having this guy... uh, Right. Revenge is the top of the mind for this point in the book. Yeah. So. So uh, during the questioning, before they cut off this uh, Bond's douche's uh, tongue... Bond's They find... Yeah, Bond nozzle. There you (laughs) go. That's a good one. I'm going to use a Bond nozzle. Uh, Before they cut (laughs) off his tongue, he gives up all the goodies, and apparently Caparazza is... Not Caparazza, but Luciano Anatolius and his grudge against Barsavi and the rest of the Camorra nobility. Well, the Barsavi not nobility, but against Barsavi and the nobility and the secret peace and everything else stems from his father being killed and his mother and his three younger children. Mm-hmm. And their three younger children. So his uh, his sisters or sisters brothers. Sisters and brothers, yeah. Yeah. Niblings. Barsavi killed them and that murder set in motion the relationship that's now called the secret peace. So now he wants to kill everybody. And before this, real quickly, he visits the spider, bonds mage, controls her mind, gets the bonds mage and Caparraza, or Luciano Natolius, an invite to the Duke's Ball party, whatever. And he brings three gifts, and those gifts are statues filled with poison that when put into aerosol form, Makes everybody, you know, pretty much, like, kills your brain. You start drooling and walking around like a zombie. So some sort of zombie uh, poison. Anyway, this is what they find out, and Locke decides that he needs to save these people, which is kind of noble, and I didn't see it coming, but I kind of saw it coming. It's one of those things where it's a character arc. He's growing, and even at great risk to himself, he knows that he has to save the people from Caporazzo's wrath. So he goes back to the party and gets in front of the spider again after being beaten up and not believed, and he explains to them, here's what's going on. And the interesting twist, I sort of kind of found this very convenient, but I'll forgive Lynch because the rest of the book was fantastic. The Donna Salvara is, I forget the name for it, but she understands poisons and herbs and Alchemical, she's into the alchemical Alchemist. arts. Yes, that is that's what. Yes, exactly. And when she inspects the statues, one of them, it is revealed that there's poison there. The thing is, this isn't this
0: isn't some sort of quaint thing. Like we know that she's into the alchemical arts based on Act One, Act Two, and Act Three. Like, yeah, Act yeah, Three, yeah. she discovers that her plant that she made with alchemical whatever like tastes like alcohol. Before that, she you know, dawdles about with alchemical things and her alchemical garden or whatever. So, like, this isn't as quaint... I wasn't sure where you were going with this, but this isn't as quaint as
1: you started off saying, in my opinion. I don't think this is, like, a deus ex machina thing. We're like, oh, my gosh, you never knew this. Oh, thank God that slavara knows al- alchemy. I'm not saying that, but the setup for it and then her being there, and then like, oh, okay, well, yes, this is... How how fortunate and convenient that this happened. But that's just me nitpicking. And I freely admit it, and it is what it is. But they figure out that, indeed, the, the statues are booby traps. They do have this poison. And they get rid of the statues. Everybody's saved. And Locke gets kind of a free pass. Get out of jail free card. But he has to leave the town. And I like the fact that that old woman... For which she was should have been punched again, Vigenza. says, "Oh, you don't, yeah, you don't get to go anywhere. You're still going to be a prisoner because blah 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 blah." And Lex like, Fuck "Off! I just saved all your lives. I get to go eat shit." Yeah, yeah. And good, good on him. And so she relents and makes because they want the money. They want the money, right? Of course. The great part about this scene, <laughs> the second, the second part that's great about this scene. Is the death offering that I love lock that. I lock love it. Locke says, so Hey, much. you know where your money is? It's in the shit bags over here. Literally shit bags. Uh there's
0: different harbor I let here, let me just say this. So there's different ships because it's a harbor. One of the ways that they get rid of their refuse is like trash barges, but it's literally like the the refuse from the we'll just say the nobility, like it's where they put all their chamber pot, you know, whatever, to pull it out of the city so the city can keep functioning. But the um, plague ship, he says, is like, oh, he's going to escape on this one. he got to destroy it before he gets there. And then, you know, because he's about to get there, then he doesn't have a way out. Then you can go look for the money. So they do, but Jean and Locke both knew that the money was on there. And Locke is, and you you called this, this I'll give you credit for, you called that he's going to get more of his friends killed, which means that he's also got to make another death offering. And this one was big. This one was three people's worth, 40,000 crowns,
1: like, big. Big death offering. Yeah, and Nasca, if you're going to count her, she was a friend. And she wasn't a gentleman bastard, but she's still part of it. You know, I don't know if you count her, because... We only see
0: him paying. Well, okay, yeah. I think you can counter. I, I because when he gets picked up by chains at the beginning of the book, he has to do death offerings for all the kids, even though they weren't part of his Gentleman bastards. So, yeah, but they were part of the like the under the underworld.
1: Yeah, and I think he says as much too. She, he names her in the the list of people that he's seeking revenge for. Mm-hmm. Because they're okay. you know they became buds afterwards. There weren't like. Lovers, or They were
0: friends beforehand, too, or they wouldn't have been so polite.
1: Yes. So he does that and moves on to get revenge from the uh, Grey King. One of the parts of the deal that Log gets to go free is he also gets to chase the Grey King. And if he gets to him first, so be it. If the nobility gets to him first, also so be it. But he does, and after a pretty uh, intense fight, he ends up getting the best of the Grey King, and he does it the same way he got the best of the quarter quarter douches, whatever their name was, that were harassing them. Bond's nozzles. Oh, Bond's nozzles, yeah. The quarter quarter nozzles. And he says the same thing at this point. He goes, I have to hold you here long enough for Jean to arrive. I don't have to beat you. And he tricks the Grey King into thinking Jean's around the corner, and at that point, he stabs him, and then and then stabs him again and again until he kills him. And John does arrive, but arrives late. So he doesn't get to save Locke. Locke has to win himself, beat the enemy himself, and he does. So that's where that quote comes in. After he kills the Grey King, he has his revenge, and he wins, but I don't think he really feels like he won because... Friends are still dead, money's still gone, and he's bleeding out. Yeah, everything that they
0: built is been spent, or or lost,
1: or lost. Yeah, Yep. So great (laughs) book, great ending, loved it. I knew you would. I knew it.
0: I'm not much for "I told you so's," but I told Uh, you so. You can
1: have all the "I told you so's" for this one. Because you deserve it. This was a this was a good find and a good suggestion.
0: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Oh Yeah, what a journey. And we've said this a couple times now, but Lynch really does an excellent job at upping the ante each time. Yeah. And it makes the book engaging. Like, you think that you're, oh, man, okay, now he's just got to solve the one problem from act two, and then act three happens, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, okay, so he's got to, okay, so he's got to solve the problem with Act 2, but now he doesn't have his crew. Okay, and and then Act 4, and he's like, oh, oh, okay, well, how is he going to solve the problem from Act 2 in Act 4, and now he's, like, wounded and whatever, and he and Jean just commit to, like,
1: we're going to win this one, whatever it takes. It's so good. It is good. And the antis, you're right, they are written well they they seem, this is such an overused word, but they seem organic. And by that, I mean, it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem gratuitous, right? Like the violence or the, the building of tension doesn't seem like, okay, well, what else could happen? Even if you're saying that, you're saying that out of surprise or out of uh, a love for the story, not because, like, oh, my gosh. Anything else? Like, how, how, how can you make this character suffer? Because some stories, after a while, you're like, all right, you're just a masochist. You're not our author. You're a masochist. And you want to destroy – you want to put on paper the destruction of a human being. And mm. fine. Like, it's a fictional story. Authors can do what they want, and people can like it or dislike it. Welcome to pluralistic society. But for me, like I like that the antis seemed natural in the world and for the characters. This is an in-world uh, critique where, in-world, the shit that happened to Locke, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly, seemed natural. Right? that they were supposed to happen or they didn't seem out of, out of place that they happened.
0: Exactly. So I've got some questions here for you because I think that this will be fun. Let's do do it. you think that with uh so one of the things that happens guys is Donja Danya Forcenza, the spider, appoints the Salvaras as the new spider. Okay? So instead of there being like one spider, now there's two spiders, but no one's gonna know that because it's secret. Do you think they'll try and come after Jean and Locke because of the okay, well, you don't let me finish the question.
1: Because of all the things they did. Yes, especially after Donna Vincenza goes to sleep with her father's or mother's. Yes, they are. I think. I mean, I only got to chapter one in the second book because I got distracted by uh by things. But yeah, I think so. Hmm. But what do you think about what's going to happen to the bonds mage? You brought him up a little bit ago and said. Their his douche buddies are gonna try to exact revenge, and you kind of know this. So this is whatever. not a good question
0: for me because
1: I've read all three books. Well, Locke lives at the end of the third one, so I, I'm assuming whatever happens Does happens. He? Does he though? He doesn't. You're telling me Locke is dead by book three? I don't know. I don't believe you. Um. Well, this is fun. This is a good time. <laughs>
0: So what do you think is going to happen to the bonds mage? Because the guys find him, and then you remember the the scene. There's like two guards, like two nobodies, find this body, and it's got a a note on it. It's like ship it back to Carthane. Was it Carthane? I think Whatever. It was Carthane. But yes, yeah. It's, yeah. It's not a great scene.
1: <laughs> it's so <laughs> You're freaking like,
0: lock. <laughs> <what>? <laughs> You're like, oh boy, this is not going to go well. Yeah, I think.
1: You want me to just guess? I'm just going to guess. Always. I think this is what's going to happen. The Bond's mage is going to get shipped to the douche castle. The rest of the douche nozzles are maging around. Bond's nozzles are maging around. And they're going to try to come after Jean and Locke. But I think that Jean and Locke, or maybe just Locke, will... Best them. How that's going to happen, I don't know. If I'm going to purely guess, just pull something out of my butt right now, is they're going to convince the other Bonds mages that this Bonds mage acted against the better wishes of the Bonds mages as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the Bonds mages are going to be like, Hey, douchebag, you did what to who? When? What were you doing and Kamura. And that's how John and Locke get away, maybe a little scathe, but get away from any retribution that the bonds just might have in store for them. Pure okay. speculation. Didn't read okay. ahead. If I guessed mm-hmm. it, yay for me. If I'm totally off, I'll find out. Here's here's your little wet whistle for this. We
0: will at some point meet the Falconer's mother, who's also a bonds mage. And we also run into Sabatha at some point. Oh, well, great. All the drama.
1: All the drama. Do they kill Sabatha to get back at... They kill Sabatha, don't they? Locke finally meets her, and the bonds mage sets her on fire or something or makes her bottles fall out. Hmm. Awesome.
0: Where do you think Locke and Jean will go next?
1: They will go to the city just... North, uh, Northwest. And they're going to go to a tower and play in the casino. And I don't know. I didn't read that far. <laughs> Tavarar. Ah, there Ta- it is. Yes.
0: Tavarar. Tarvarar. Tar- How do I say it? Not going to ask you because you're not going to pronounce things correctly.
1: Or are you asking where Jean and Locke went? That's that, the, the pronunciation of that city? I wish or... that we were in the same room so I could punch the way that Locke punches his spider. <laughs> Uh, the Sin Spire. Ooh. Sounds like, well, sounds like Sin City. Oh, it kind of
0: uh, Yeah. Telvarar is where they go, and it has this thing called the Sin Spire where every level of the spire, the higher up you go, is different events of chance. And what I mean by that is, like, you have normal gambling on, like, the lower floors, and then the higher floors you have, like, Will this guy survive being in a ring with an alligator for more than four minutes? And people make wagers on it. And then the higher up you go, it's like, you know, can this guy eat three poison apples before he passes out or whatever? Like things like that that you put wagers on. But you don't get to go higher until you get invited because it's very exclusive. It's a really great read. Book two is basically Ocean's Eleven meets Pirates of the Caribbean.
1: Nice. I can dig it. So it's definitely worth a read. Talvarar. Why don't no, you wet I mean, my whistle a little bit more? I want I want my, my whistle wetted. Are there any threads in this book, like the book that we just read, that I'll find in book two and three? Like, like re- repeating themes. For example, I don't have to beat you. I just have to wait for Jean type of deal, or the two book ends where Locke kills his best friends. By his hubris uh, in the beginning and the end of the book, anything like that repeats. Uh, the Jean thing doesn't, from what I can remember. I don't remember that
0: happening, but I. But after reading book one here again, I kind of wish it did at some point. Like, let us forget about it and then bring it back. You know what I mean? Like, I would love if it was in book four because that'd be that'd be fun. Well, when book four comes out, we'll find out
1: if it comes out. Yeah.
0: The Thorn of Emberlane. and then for your other question, mm, I don't think so. Again, I have—I it's been about a year and a half since I've read these books. For the, the, I think that was my second time or third time, so it's been a minute. But I don't call them getting another crew.
1: So it's just him and John. Yeah, at some point they they start trying to rebuild the crew. Is that where Sabbath comes in?
0: No, 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 no. That's that's a whole different plot thread, and it's right. beautiful and wonderful. And how does
1: she die? Remind me how she dies.
0: You're not gonna. You're not gonna.
1: Okay, whatever. Do you think that they can go back to Kamor? I think they probably do. There'll probably be a thing that happens where, like, oh yeah, I forgot that we have a thousand crowns in a in a bag behind dumpster, you know, on the south side of something.
0: No, I don't think. I I don't remember them going back in any of the other books. Oh, okay, so they don't. I don't I don't remember them doing that. No, I think their their adventures take them far elsewhere. Um, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they go back at a later book. However, it won't be book four because book four is called The Thorn of Emberlane, which is a different city. So you can make broad assumptions that they're not going to Camor when they're in Emberlane because they use the Emberlane stick in Camor so they might
1: use the Camor stick in Emberlane. Yeah, I'm Lucas sense. Fairwhite from Emberlane. Unless Locke is dead, and then John becomes a thorn of Emberlane. John's the son S- of a merchant. He's not going to do. He can't do that. And Chains tells us this. Oh, so they Locke's alive.
0: They can't. Uh, they can't do each other's jobs, right? Like they have. No, no that's choice. right.
1: I'm. I'm just playing backup. I'm just messing with you. Too. Hmm. 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 Hmm.
0: Anyway, if you were going to be a Daniel Forcenza why would you and
1: slap Miraggio? I don't have a good question here. I've used all my questions. I have a good question. Donna Vercenza does appoint the Salvaras. Why do you think she chose him? I mean, she says to some degree why she chose him in the book. But why do you think there's anything behind the reason? Things in between the lines. I don't think that we get
0: enough time with Danya Vorkenza and the Salvaras because she really comes into play like end of act three. And it's because Danya Salvara comes to her and she goes, I know that every time people talk to you that somehow the spider of Camor gets the information. So I need help. Here's what's going on. I think that she explains it pretty well. In her explanation where she's like, People assume that the spider's one. I think it'll be better if there's two, and this is not a gift. This is a punishment. I don't know why you're punishing people who just got stolen from, but all right, sounds good. Yeah.
1: So well if I may make wild assumptions, which I am known to do and prone prompted to, do. to do by you. Yes. Prone and yeah. prompted. Prone and prompted to do. New side quest, or
0: new podcast. What, just, I need whiskey.
1: Prone and Prompted? Yes, that'd be a great, we could change the name to this. Prone and Prompted. Prompted. <laughs> Son of a gun. Okay. So just, I think, not only the reasons that were outlined in the book, but also what you just said, kind of, which is just a repeat of the book. But the Salvaras know who she is. They know the game. I think they've proven themselves apt players of the game because of the 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 setup of Locke how he was set up so Virchanzo's probably eh. they can do this and also why not she's old and waiting to die right like that too well that's what she says in the book that's what she says in the book I think that's it that was just a little thing that popped into my head as you uh, as you mentioned uh whatever you mentioned (laughs) that started this part of the conversation
0: (laughs) do you think anybody in the in the book besides John and Locke are going to be seen in in the further
1: books besides Sabatha who I mentioned Salvaris, probably. Mm, all right. Yep. Yeah. Maybe the what's her face? His. Oh, I forget his name. But he's the in charge of the spiders' uh, men, the Duke's men.
0: Oh yeah, whatever his name
1: is. Right, 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 right. Yep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. See could him. be. Stephen or Philip. <laughs> I forget his name.
0: I think we should call him Stephen. That jackwagon of a guy.
1: Yep. <laughs> yep yep
0: oh man all right well that is the lies of loch lamora book one we are looking forward to book two because slava couldn't put it down literally he finishes the same day and he goes i started book two and i was like hold the phone you can't just start book we didn't even finish recording book one and like anyway so slava's in on book two it's not like maybe we'll read it. No, he's he's already committed to it because yep. of his. Well, actions.
1: I I bought the the series, so you'll see these in the future, and yep. that'll be fun. We're committed. I'm committed to this. That's even true. if we don't. Uh, we will audience. You will see this in the future, but even if I don't, I'm the one who told you about the series. I think it's a great series. Yes, it is a great series. What I'm saying is, even if the audience don't get to live this with me, I will be reading them for my own benefit. Are you gonna? murder the audience? If I have to. I mean whatever. I
0: wouldn't go on record to say that. Anyway, next episode we'll read The Hobbit. Yes. Which has less Well no, than... no no no. Sorry. Next episode we're having a guest on. Yes, we are. We're having a guest on for the Lies of I did ask Spencer to come back. So first we're talking the Lies of Laclamora with Spencer Greatest's name, Spencer tom which I deemed that's his new nickname. And then we're going to read The Hobbit And we're going to have a new guest on for The Hobbit Which I'm excited about Me too
1: Love getting new guests on It's always fun It and is then we'll fun. see who gangs up on who Because apparently my friend, Jess uh, Who I said is a sweet person And would never, never gang up on either of us Threw me underneath the bus five minutes into the episode That's true, that's true Well, thanks for tuning in the adventurers,
0: be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss a side quest.